Hello, hello, testing, one, two, three, testing. Hello, and welcome back to the Elijah Illustrates podcast. I'm your host, Elijah. Decided to take a look at one of my favorite places to hike, write, and now podcast, Kettletown State Park in Southbury, Connecticut. It's beautiful, beautiful lake landscape going on here. Gorgeous. And I started as such a gloomy day. I was very much sure that it was going to be raining or storming, maybe even hailing. Other night I was taking a walk through Bethel and it just starts hailing down on me. I was with uh, Brad. Shout out, Brad. And today is just an incredible day. I actually donated for the first time in nine months. Uh, pregnancy, if you will. And when I say donation, you might be thinking money, time, blood. And the latter was actually the closest. It was platelets. Now, you might be wondering what are platelets exactly? I'm not talking about, you know, China. Fancy dinner tables, fancy dinner plates. Uh, Platelets are actually colorless cells that exist inside our blood and they form clots to prevent us from bleeding. Now the fact that they stop and prevent us from bleeding, it's an essential part of our body and a working immune system has an ample amount. However, people with cancer, with very, very harmful diseases in their bodies prevent them from creating an ample amount. So that's where they need to have a sufficient supply from donors like me to be able to donate so that their body can sustain itself. So I actually found the term for when you have a low platelet count. It's called thrombocytopenia. Thrombocytopenia. It's it's a difficult term, and it's certainly not good. So if you have it, I'm sorry. It's terrible. But that is exactly why you need to have platelets, because this indicates that having that and that can come from cancer, autoimmune disorders. Um, I was reading even alcoholism can cause you to have a low platelet count. So it's dangerous. Um, You know, it's it's crazy. I didn't actually know about platelets until I was older. I started um, when I was younger, you know, doing blood and everything. And um, I, I actually have an episode I talked about like my history with donating, what it means to me, things of that nature. And I kind of go into my history with learning about it. And it was, it was kind of cool because I was supposed to donate blood and it didn't work out. And they introduced me to the app to schedule ahead of time so I wouldn't end up being a walk-in appointment, which would result in me losing an appointment. Instead, I found out about the app. And in the app, it said, hey, would you like to schedule for blood, power red, which is two pints? as opposed to the single pint, or platelets. When I saw platelets, I was like, what is this? And uh, the rest is history. 
it's certainly the most hands-on of the donations. And it's my favorite one to do, quite frankly. The most demanding and the most rewarding. It's hard to explain to people after donating how incredible you feel. You, know, you feel this fulfillment, be, like the beginning of it, middle, after. You know, for those who aren't aware with how the donation works, you, you kind of get a screening just like any other donation. If you've donated blood, they ask you some health questions. A little bit different now with, you know, COVID, of course. You just have to wear a mask inside. No biggie. But some of the questions have changed over time. They've included things like hepatitis A. Have you had the, um, have you had the vaccine? So once you do that, they, uh, they check your iron. Mine was really good today. 16.2. Hells yeah. Especially, um, big reason I didn't donate for nine months was uh, a lot of medical issues. And, you know, before even donating, just seeing that my iron count was good was a great sign. Made sure to hydrate like an animal, made sure to eat like an animal, iron-rich foods, healthy foods, leafy green vegetables. And that really, it, it helps during the donation because going back to the method of how this goes down, after they're finished screening you, after they check your iron, your temperature, everything like that, they're going to have you sit in a chair and you basically have a needle that is going to go in each arm. So instead of just the one needle in the one vein and having your other arm to kind of check your phone, this and that, you're basically having both arms stretched out for a prolonged time period, usually at least two hours. And you can't move your arms. Otherwise, you have a fun surprise. Swelling, your arm just is incredible pain from just the needle kind of being moved out of place, all the fluids leaking out, things like that. It sounds worse than it is. I mean, it burns. It's not the end of the world pain, but it's certainly not something you would want to experience if you can avoid it. I learned that the hard way. My first platelet donation, I tried to move my arm and I tried being careful about it. Clearly not careful enough. Definitely caused some pain, but I digress. I, I used the Red Cross and I used my love for donating as a means to get healthy. And there was a lot going into it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stories behind the medical issues going on, but maybe one day I'll go more in depth about it. For now, just know there was issues concerning my health that made me feel uncomfortable donating. I didn't know if I felt strong enough to do it, which says a lot because before this, I was donating every two weeks for years. I had made it on the plaque for 2018, 2019, 2020. And it, you know, it's an honor being amongst all these other donors. And you look at the people that do it, a lot of them are much, much older. And I mean, no disrespect, I, I mean that in the sense of like, these people have been doing it their whole lives. And you would think someone who's 
older would want to avoid doing such a strenuous exercise. But the donors, they just come in and they just... It's really humbling, the whole thing. Being a part of a community that's willing to give up their time and donate a portion of themselves to help somebody we don't even know. It gets me emotional. There's a lot of things in life that I've been apprehensive of. It's a lot of things I've cowered from. But when it came to donating, I could feel myself being strong. It's one of those things where, you know, aches, bruises, pain, burning feeling, adjusting the needle, it just, I look past it and I just value being a part of this so much that there's nothing that would take me away from that chair. So that's how devastating it was these past few months, by past I mean nine months, not donating. It's one thing not feeling well, it's another thing being able to not being able to do something that you enjoy doing. I'm a part of the Facebook group. Everyone's kind of sharing their donations experiences, like, oh, I just did a triple today, um, just did a double. And for those of you that don't know what that means, they measure donations based off of the units you give. So as an example, a single pint donation is one unit, double pint donation is two units, and platelets could be anywhere from one to three units. So it's so wholesome to see people sharing their experience and sharing photos of themselves smiling and being excited to be a part of the team and donating. It's so wholesome, you know, just immeasurable acts of kindness. And not being able to donate, I felt conflicted even calling myself a donor. I felt conflicted even looking at the Facebook page. You know, if I wasn't participating, I feel fake even saying that I am a donor. And while I know I've, I've been donating for years, and I know certainly if I had the choice, I would be doing it, I still felt... I, I didn't feel right not being a part. <laughs> Especially when you get the notices all the time that there's always a blood shortage, there's a platelet shortage, a plasma shortage. So going bi-weekly to not going at all. And I always had this idea like I would come back, but it was only recently I've begun feeling strong again. And I've had my moments here and there, past few months. I mean, it's not to say I entirely felt weak but I certainly had prolonged periods of just really not feeling well. And, you know, without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, um, it was hard. I'm a very active person, and not being able to hike and donate and things like that have been uh, trying tribulations, I guess, you yeah. know. I've hiked. I mean, that's that's the other side of it, too. What would mess with my mind is like, okay, I don't feel well, but I, I still feel strong enough to hike at times. Maybe I'm strong enough to donate. And no, no, it's too soon. Maybe I need to wait a bit longer. And it's like, 
the last time I donated was February. It was Super Bowl. I managed to go right before the snowstorm. I felt all accomplished. Had this big-ass pizza to myself. Super celebrating. Fun watching that. I'm not an avid football fan, but I'll watch the Super Bowl. Appreciate the sportsmanship they have. Appreciate the athleticism. And, of course, the weekend was a great show. Awesome halftime show. I mean, when Blinded Lights came on, I was motivated. I'm like, bet, this is going to be a great year. Very sobering year it is, too. So, it was calling on me to do it recently, to schedule an appointment. And uh, I went ahead and did it. Of course, I scheduled the same day. So it was one of those things where I thought, oh, someone canceled. Maybe I could swoop in and grab this appointment. But just like any other facility, just like any other group of people during the pandemic, the Red Cross is short-staffed. And technically that appointment shouldn't have been available. So I, I went down there and it turns out, you know, that appointment was invalid. So I rescheduled for today. And it worked out better because then I had more time to prepare, more time to really focus in on what it is I was doing. And not, not even to criticize like the staff for not being able to take me. Of course, if you're short-staffed and an appointment was shown that wasn't actually available, I mean, that's whose fault is that, you know? But it was cool they gave me these American Red Cross socks super stylish super sick <laughs> so I wore them today as my uh, good luck charm and even when you go bi-weekly you always have kind of that anxiety of a needle going in there's something about a foreign object going into you and you're at the mercy of someone else you don't know the tempo the speed of which this instrument is going to you know, penetrate your body so there's that bit of anxiety. I remember I was deathly afraid of needles as a kid. Like, I used to have the worst just fear of having to go to the doctor's office because they would have to draw my blood. And that, to me, was the scariest thing. Just this sharp, pointy object pricking me causing all this pain. I remember I argued with a doctor once. He took my blood out and I, I yelled at him. I said, okay, give it back. <laughs> and I found out what they were gonna do is test it and then discard it. I was top tier pissed. I'm like, you, okay, you don't take me out to dinner first. All right, you just take my blood and do your thing with it and throw it out. Like, who are you? Just take a man's blood. Don't even call him back. That's besides the point. But it's changed over the years. You get older, more courageous, more willing to step into your danger zone. And it came to a point in high school where they were doing a blood drive 
and I chose to donate. And at the time, that was the scariest thing possible, just having someone draw blood out of me. I remember watching a video of a person getting their blood drawn in the library. Friend put it on. And, and it really made me immeasurably more anxious. I thought something about seeing somebody have their blood drawn, like the, it just looked weird to me. I just wasn't about it. But I, I chose to do it anyway. And it's one of my most courageous moments because it's something I totally could have avoided. But in doing that, I would have not helped anyone. All the donations that I've done now would have not been achieved. And all the donors that needed platelets, plasma, blood that I was able to help contribute to wouldn't have received those donations. So by me going to the gymnasium in school and letting this nurse who, God bless her, she hated me. She could see I was visibly afraid, visibly anxious, and she was not comforting at all. They had to wipe down your arm to prevent infection, and they used this clear-looking substance, and it made my arm look pale. So in addition to being scared, I had now thought my arm was just, like, losing its color. So I looked over at it. I'm like, oh, what's happening? No! What, what happened to my arm? And she literally, this woman's like, calm down. Calm down. It's just this stuff I'm putting on. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you must think I'm so annoying. Uh, and she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. I was trying to kind of shit on myself a little bit so that we can move past that awkward moment. But yeah, let's double down on that. I'm, I'm the annoying high schooler that is afraid of needles. <laughs> sorry to ruin your day, phlebotomist. So moving past all that, I, you know, I went to the donation center today. I had to be there at 7.45. Brutal. I'm not quite a morning person. I appreciate the mornings. I appreciate the mentality, but I'm just not there yet. Years of being a night owl, it's still with me. And I've quit things like caffeine and, and sugary drinks, but, like, I still have a hard time winding down at night and going to bed and getting up early. This means a lot. So I figured this was the first available appointment. Let's do it. So I get down there, you know, half asleep. Something about being half asleep makes things even more frightening. You know, you're just, I don't know, you're just not your clear consent self. So you're thinking about everything that can go wrong. You're like, what if I... What if this lobotomist gets mad and she starts repeatedly stabbing me with a needle? What, what then? What if, you know, aliens? And the thing is, none of that stuff happens. Oftentimes, we fear the worst possible outcomes, and the worst possible outcomes never come. So in, in a way, by being anxious all the time, you are kind of prepping yourself for being a lot less fearful. 
is what I'm telling myself now that I think about it. Let's shout out anxious people. We're doing the right thing here. Because let's not even act like fearless people. Just we're born out of the womb fearless. Like, miss me with that. I like, I like the arc. I like the arc where someone kind of gains their courage and grows. You know, not like someone pops out and they're just like juggernaut. So, get to the donation center. Everything's cool. I knew this appointment was set. I scheduled with the Red Cross on the phone, so this wasn't some kind of weird glitch through the app. Checked in, everything's good. Making some small talk with the donors. Because truthfully, I, I feel like the donors to me are like family. These are people that, many of whom I don't know, but I appreciate so deeply. And I'm just humbled by their presence because it's, it's just a group of people that just spend the time to donate. They could be doing a million other things. And so I, I get in there, I'm talking to the, you know, I, I know all the people because I've been going for years. There's a couple of new faces because it's been nine months and staff changing. And they're cool too. Got to meet some of them. One of them actually, um, she actually recommended this show I was watching, uh, Records of Ragnarok. It's this animated show where they're having the gods fight against humans. It's so sick, dude. It's so sick. You really, you gotta, you really gotta choose something that's gonna get you entertained and focused in. Because when you're sitting there for two hours, you do not want to watch something boring. You damn well don't. I made that mistake. I made every mistake you could think of donating, so I've learned. Learned a thing or two. So, you know, get to the chair. Of course, you have to do 12 bathroom breaks beforehand. Because again, again, I've been there. Haven't done that one time. Imagine sitting to a chair, like, attached to these needles, and you can't move. And you just have to piss. And now it's been an hour. And then it's been two hours, you know what I'm saying? Brutal. I shouldn't talk like this because now I have to piss for real. One second. I feel like an igloo. Alrighty. We're back. I always have to weigh my options when I'm trying to find a place to take a leak because, you know, you really should kind of go hide in the darkest crypts so nobody can see you because you don't want to catch a charge. I'm waiting for the day someone comes across me and I look at them, and they look at me, and um, yeah. So anyways, the thing is, with this donating situation, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and when you haven't had this procedure done in that many months, the anxiety is always there, but it's just, it's higher. It's higher in the totem pole. So... I get to my spot and you know quite frankly that the needles going easy and it was is great sometimes the needles do not go in easy and you feel it they have to adjust it it stings it hurts it's this whole thing and this time, no, I hydrated good, ate good, and it, it showed. When you prep, it shows. You know, the power of eating healthy. 
very valuable. Because certainly, let's put it in my hood here, a little windy. So the power of eating healthy actually results in you just flat out having better benefits for anything. You know, it could be like uh, what soccer, exercising, wrestling, boxing, you know, jujitsu, donating everything. Your body requires the right nutrients and your veins expand in this circumstance when you hydrate properly. So by doing that, the needles just pop right in. I have this left vein on my left arm. Super easy. Thing just plugs right in. It's no biggie. And the right arm, it's, it, it likes to fight me once in a while. It's, it's hard. That's the drawing arm because one arm has to draw the blood. The blood goes into the machine, takes the platelets out, and then that causes it to uh, take what it needs and then it just returns the blood to the other arm. So you pick whichever arm you want for it to draw from. It could be your left or right, depending. And you have to squeeze something you know, just one of those little squeeze ball things the entire time to help the blood flow. Otherwise, the machine causes issues. It's this whole thing. Really, though, it was easy. You know, like I had my moments where I was feeling like tired. And I was feeling out of it. And then I'm feeling like, great, I'm not. And it's like, it's a roller coaster because you're, you're sitting there having liquids that you need drawn out of you. And with a healthy immune system, it just rebuilds itself. But still and I was just so grateful you know I, I always like to pray that these donations go really well you know whether you believe in a higher power or not I just choose to believe that by praying this is going to help my chances of a better product for the Red Cross something they could use and certainly this one went great it got to a point where I was 39 minutes left. So I'm like, okay, more than halfway done. And they come over to the machine. They're like, you know what? You were going to be doing a double, but it looks like we can actually have you do a triple. So your time is going to go back up to 70 minutes. So again, I'm used to doing triples. The fact that I was even doing a double today, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I haven't donated in forever. Um, I'll get it next time. But I, I do take pride in my work too here, and I, I do like to do triples and quadruples and give as much as I can every sitting. So it still felt like a defeat doing a double. So when they come around and say, yeah, you know, we can actually, we can do a triple. It's going to just take longer. I'm like, yeah, dude, sign me up. I have nowhere to be. I'm off today. Made sure to have this on the day I'm off. And it, it's nice too because you get some camarader uh, camaraderie there. They respect the fact that you're willing to stay the extra time. And it's like, yeah, dude, if I can give that extra you know, unit, this makes this all that much more worth it. So I talked before about how I, I felt like I wasn't a donor because I hadn't donated in so long. But after over two and a half hours sitting there and you know your arms aching, especially the drawing arm, you really feel the stress feeling the pressure and feeling the needles kind of around your veins for a few hours and going through that and say, you know, yeah, I'll take some more. Let's continue. I feel like I earned the moniker back. And it meant a lot to kind of go through that and to be a part of the team again. 
meant a lot. It's a huge part of my identity, so I feel like I've gained that back. And I'm already set. Next appointment, December 2nd. Already set. Already set. Very excited. You know, it, it might be hard for someone to grasp the idea of why donating is fun, but it's like, for me, it's something odd about it. It's just overcoming the initial fear of having needles pressed into you is a victory in itself. Each one for each arm. Little victories. Then sustaining yourself and not moving for a few hours. Forcing yourself to stay relatively still. And just watching Netflix and hanging out. It's a nice time. It's just you time. You're just sitting there, deep in your thoughts. Hanging out. And the drawing factor. You know, friends have teased me about this because I... I always feel zen out afterwards, and they're like, yeah, you feel lightheaded is what it is. But it's a different kind of feeling. After donating, you feel fulfilled. Which is ironic, because you sit there getting drained for all the time. But you feel this relaxation and this, this obedience and this accomplishment factor that was otherwise not there. I feel connected to a higher power after donating. It's nothing like, you know, you donate, you go in the woods and just celebrate. Just happy you went through that. Everything worked out. Your body cooperated. The veins didn't act up. You prepped good. Now, however much you've given, it's, it's going. And, you know, whoever needs it, they can take it. There's no preference on... Oh, I want this person to have it, that person. It's anybody that needs it. It's cool, too, because you'll get a notice. It'll say, yeah, this was sent to New York, New York, or New Haven. I find that neat. You don't know the exact person. It's not like, you know, if little Timmy got the dosage or uh, Cynthia or Mark Wahlberg. But you just know that it's in the hands of professionals. It's going to go to where it needs to go figure it's so easy to get deferred too there's so many ways that you may not be healthy enough to donate so it's like do it while you can so I'm just I'm happy to be back I, I would honor to be amongst the other donors such wholesome amazing people and it's it's cool too because then the the phlebotomist is just thankful you know they're very thankful that I stayed the extra time today but it's like listen like without phlebotomists like you we couldn't do this it's a group effort I can't put the needle in myself you know. So I think it's amazing the Red Cross exists. It's incredible, really. It's great charity work. Charity comes in many forms. You could donate money, your time, anything, as I started this whole podcast talking about. But, you know, for me, donating platelets, that's, that's my way. It brings me peace doing it. There's a bit of a high every time. And it's a powerful self-reflection time period because you, you weigh who you are and what you've done and you feel better as a human being. I'd like to encourage anybody that's listening to try it out. Start with donating blood and then work your way up. Don't necessarily jump to platelets because that's, 
it's heavy going from not donating to doing something like that. I would say start with a single pint donation, then do a double pint, see how you feel. And then if you're really feeling good, do a platelet, see how you feel. And then see how you feel uh, with platelet and plasma. You know, just like anything, work your way up. We can't sprint until we cartwheel. It's my analogy. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to keep repeating it, man. I'm just humbled. It's great to be back. And, you know, I I, I hiked a bit. There's this beautiful trail right down the the street from the donation center. It's uh, the Harper Reserve. Just hiked a bit, sat down, just hung out, just gorgeous. Haven't hiked there in a long time because I, you know, I, I don't, I'd feel, I usually hike there after donating. So the fact that I didn't donate for a while felt weird going there. But now it's felt like the right timing. And, uh, you know, I like to do this thing where, depending on how many units I give, whether it's two, three, four, I will then, um, whatever number I'm up to as far as units I have contributed to, I will watch that UFC event, and I will watch usually the main event. So as an example, the last time I donated, I got up to about 236 units, and that was uh, you had Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway. Bar burner. Sick fight. I mean, it's incredible how... Dustin Poirier, you know, for those of you that are fight fans and everything, know what I'm talking about. Dustin Poirier is a guy who's been in the fight game forever. Started at 145, went to 155, and he's fighting what a lot of people are considering the featherweight goat, Max Holloway, moving up to challenge him for the 155 intern belt. And they went to war, but it was just... I gotta say, I was, I was definitely looking at Max Holloway like no one was beating him at that time, and Poirier just pieced him up. And... It's crazy to watch. No disrespect to Holloway and saying he pieced him up. I just mean it was just, it was what it was. Poirier was dominating the fight, clipping Holloway over and over. Crazy to watch. You have this era of invincibility about you, and then someone else can just come in and, and go to war with you. And that was a lot like the co-made event, too, which was uh, Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gaslam, one of the best fights. I think it was fight of the year, actually. One of the only times we've seen Israel Adesanya actually hurt and in trouble in MMA. Guy's virtually indestructible, otherwise. You know. Of course, no one's indestructible, but when you look at someone who's just levels and levels and levels above everyone else in competition, you could see why there's a very you know, difficult factor in beating him. Just a world-class kickboxer, a guy who gets better. Every fight gets clipped, and it's just... Much respect to Kellen Gaslam. That was a that was a war. Much respect to Israel Adesanya. So now UFC 239, because I did three today. It looks like it's John Jones versus Tiago Santos. That was a... That was a crazy fight. You know, it's arguable that John Jones lost that fight, too. If you've watched it, it's it's interesting. Tiago Santos is a beast. Fought at middleweight, moved up to light heavyweight. He's huge. I call him Brazilian Thor. He's got this hammer on his chest. Picture just like... Picture Brazilian Thor. Yeah. 
except no long hair. Yeah. Yeah. And then John Jones, I mean, you know, you, you hear the term greatest of all time thrown around a lot, but like truthfully, I, I, there's other people in discussion, but I think you really got to give it to John Jones. Forget all the things he does out of the cage. The guy is screwed up more times than anybody. Um, but I digress. It's an incredible fight. Uh, incredible in the sense that usually John Jones just runs through people, but Tiago actually, he did good. Jones seemed apprehensive. And Tiago had this crazy knee injury. He tore like his ACL, his PCL, his NCL, his GCL, his, his uh, you know, his SLs, man. He tore all the fucking SLs, okay, in his knee. The dude shouldn't have been standing, and he's doing like spinning head kicks. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, that's right, it does, because he's Brazilian Thor. That's a solid fight. So that's how I do it. Usually after a, um, I donate, depending on whatever units I rise up to, whatever number it's up to, I'll watch that main event, that UFC. It's a fun little tradition. I like to go hiking afterwards, meditate. And again, I'd like to suggest anybody that's listening, please take the time and just donate. We're all healthy. Doesn't matter what blood type you are. I'm A negative. I'm neither common nor rare. It's all about just the consistency and just helping people, right? If you have it, give it. That's the policy that matters. It's so beautiful outside. So I'd like to like to thank you for listening to me just explaining myself and it's still sinking in that I've actually done this because it's been so long I missed this wanted this so it's great to be back please join the donor family if you haven't check out my other episodes Elijah Illustrates podcast follow me on Linktree all my socials are there I'm starting to post on YouTube now God help us Oh, boy. But want to thank you for listening. want to thank you. want to say stay healthy, stay happy, and thrive.